I'm Whitney McDonald. I'm the deputy editor at Bank Automation News. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, welcome to our session on how banks benefit from AI and data in auto and consumer lending. We see AI and machine learning throughout auto finance from originations to collections and servicing. We've also seen AI advances take the rest of the world by storm with buzz around ChatGPT, new chatbots launching, and further development in generative AI that were pretty relevant in Q1 earnings um, across many banks um, as they've all reported in the past couple of weeks uh, in first quarter earnings. Before we dive into the topic, I'd like to allow my panelists uh, who, are, who are here with me to introduce themselves briefly. We'll start with Tanya. Sure. Thank you, Whitney. Um, I'm Tanya Sanders. I lead the auto business at Wells Fargo. Um, we do business with about 10,000 dealers across the country um, and originate consumer auto loans. Um, this past quarter, we originated about $5 billion um, in originations, and uh, we currently service a portfolio of uh, 2.5 million customers. So excited to be here today, very um, fun topic. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you more of the business perspective and how we think about these um, solutions, so happy to be here. Thank you, Whitney and Tanya. And I'm Justin Wicked. I am the co-founder and CEO of Informed.iq. Informed is a fintech infrastructure company that uses artificial intelligence to automate consumer loan verifications. We have the privilege today of serving Capital One, Ally Financial, and over 1,000 credit unions, helping them validate applicant income, catch fraud, and turn documents and data into decisions for faster funding. Great. Well, thank you again, and thank you to all of you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, let's start bigger picture, and this is a question for both of you. How are each of your teams approaching AI, especially in an, an environment that seems to be looking to AI and its benefits, as we've seen throughout uh, the day today? Yeah, um, I'll start. I, I think when we look at it from an auto um, business team perspective, we first look at our priorities and where we want to take the business. And our primary focus is risk management um, for our portfolio and for the business that we're originating and customer experience. And so when we think about those two objectives, we're constantly looking at what are the investments that we need to make in technology and tools to deliver on those two objectives. Um, when we look at the customer experience, we do, as I mentioned, we do business with dealers. So most of our originations come in through our indirect um, dealer relationships. And in the dealer experience, it's important to our dealers that we have fast turn times, that we have simple um, frictionless processes that we're easy to do business with. And one of the examples and, and one of the tools that um, Justin and his team um, provides is the ability to automate um, income verification, which is one step in the process that can create for friction um, within an auto loan transaction with dealers. Um, from a customer perspective, um, when we look at the customer experience, we're looking at how can we provide more self-service tools for our customers. We've made a lot of investments in getting our customers into a digital space and making sure that they can service their auto loan in that digital environment. But new tools like AI provide the opportunity to optimize those experiences and provide better experiences over time. Um, but it's, it, all really, um, it, it all really hinges on how good we are at integrating those solutions, not only for the customer, but with the risk management mindset. So we think 
deeply about how do we think about customer data and customer privacy, and are we putting in all of the right protections to ensure that we're doing that appropriately? Yeah, thank you, Tanya. And, and I'd say at Informed, AI is really foundational to what we do. Uh, we've been relying on uh, a variety of different transformer style models where we've been fine tuning them for the purposes of classifying documents commonly found in loan jackets, extracting their salient information, and then comparing it to the contributory database of over 50 million records that, that we steward on behalf of the industry. And I have to say it's hard work. There's so many different variations of these consumer loan jackets that, that we come across and, and have to deal with on an ongoing basis. So you can imagine there's 35 million auto loans each year originated in the United States. Uh, there's about 1,000 different types of documents that can, that can manifest themselves in these loan jackets. And there's over a million variations of those, those document types, those unique document types. So it's, it's a, a lot of variability. And what we found at Inform was we really had to rely on both uh, neural networks uh, as well as also these transformer-based models to be able to enable our lenders to be successful in terms of funding faster, freeing up staff, and ultimately improving compliance within the organization. Thank you both, and I think we can dive a little bit deeper into the technology here and maybe talk through either consumer or the customer experience side, but also the employee experience side of where AI and technology can fit into to those processes. Yeah, from an employee experience perspective, um, it definitely helps to lighten the workload. And so what we've seen with any sort of automation in the um, employee workflow, removing those manual steps, makes them much faster. It puts their focus on the more complex and more critical work that we need them to do. And it allows us to achieve efficiencies within the business. So I do think that um, not only is it a benefit for the company, but it's a benefit for the employee in, in making their jobs easier and faster. Um, as we roll this forward, I look forward to us continuing to optimize the solutions that we provide to customers, particularly when we think about customer service and the solutions that our, customer, our, our employees currently provide in an online chat function. Today, we have um, chat capabilities for servicing our customers. We have specific agents that are behind the chat, and they're actually responding to questions and providing responses to customers. Um, I think we can all imagine the opportunity to optimize on that as we employ more of these technologies. Now, Justin, similarly, but from your perspective on the topic of customer experience, how can AI and machine learning improve the accuracy of consumer credit application decision making, um, improving efficiency, um, back office decisions? What does that entail? Yeah, so, so Inform primarily automates the back office of large financial institutions. We plug into the, the loan origination systems and effectively supercharge the, the LOS by introducing artificial intelligence, whereby those softwares have historically been more CRUD style. They're, they're uh, just about creating records, updating the records, reading the records, destroying the records. So we're really bringing AI to the loan origination system. And in terms of improving the consumer experience, we catch fraud. We are able to identify falsified pay stubs, and oftentimes a car dealer, an indirect auto lending, a car dealer could actually fabricate a consumer's pay stub and, and misrepresent a consumer to 
move metal is what that's called in the industry, but effectively move a car, sell a car on their lot. So we, we catch these sorts of misrepresentations in, in loan jackets all the time. We also have, uh, ha have the ability to actually model out applicant income, and we're able to model income for about 80% of employed applicants in, in real time, and that helps improve the consumer experience by eliminating friction rather than the finance source requiring pay stubs or requiring that some applicant link their bank account or connect their payroll provider by leveraging modeled income, we're able to, in, in certain cases, skip over the need to verify income with the lender's consent. Now, with, with that in mind, kind of taking it a little bit further, what kind of data quality improvements can, bank, can banks experience by leveraging AI and data, um, like translating into better lending outcomes? I can take that, yeah. So, so I, I talked a little bit about the, the variability in these loan jackets, the fact that there's over a million different variations of, of documents that commonly occur in, in one of these loan jackets. And we've had lenders approach Informed, asking Informed to help them assess all the different ancillary products, the warranty products, the insurance products that are very often bundled in with some collateral that is being financed, whether it be a home or uh, an auto. There's, there's all sorts of insurance and warranty products that are very profitable for, say, a car dealer or some kind of mortgage broker to, 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 to bundle in alongside the actual loan. And so in doing so, we've been able to unlock a tremendous amount of additional data, what types of products were sold to whom, at what price points, was there any kind of disparate impact or disparate treatment going on, uh, and, and effectively provide an additional control, uh, an additional oversight that allows for the, the lender to augment their, their risk, risk function. And I'll yeah. just add that um, as we look at risk management within the lending space, it's really important for us to understand and, and have transparency on how these tools work and be able to represent that so that we're being really clear with our customers on how we're making these credit decisions. And so as we become more educated as, um, as business leaders, as operators, uh, we spend a lot of time um, within my management team getting educated from the experts, um, the Justins and, and a lot of you in the room, um, those within the bank who spend a lot of time in the space, making sure that we really understand how the technology works, um, how the models have been developed, and ensuring that we can provide that transparency, not only for our customers, but also for compliance reasons. Yeah, thank, thanks for bringing that up. And that's a trend that we've actually been seeing at FinTech Nexus as well, um, those FinTech and bank relationships. And like you said, going to experts in those specific spaces. Um, Tanya, another question for you, and you kind of alluded to this, so we can kind of dive a little bit deeper on this. but. We know that Wells Fargo's broader initiatives do include investment in AI. You mentioned the chatbot function um, and, and other successes in technology that Wells has invested in. Wondering if there's other AI uses from across the bank that might have a place for, for the auto business that you're looking into. Yeah, so one of the things um, that we announced uh, several months back is Fargo, which is our virtual assistant. Um, and that's currently available if you're a Wells Fargo customer and you log into your account, you have um, access to this virtual assistant. And you can just have natural conversations, ask questions, and the assistant takes you to or prompts you with the options or the, their direct responses. Now, for someone like myself who didn't have access to this before, clicking 
through and trying to find things like what's my routing number, um, what's my account balance, making several steps now come, um, becomes a natural conversation. For the auto business, we have the benefit of being able to leverage those tools that are being developed at the enterprise level. And over time, what I anticipate is as customers have auto loans with us, they will continue to be able to ask those questions and not have to work directly with an agent um, on those responses. Um, for Wells, having multiple products, it provides a more seamless customer experience. It's very consistent, um, no matter what products or how many products you have with us. And for, for me, it's the benefit of being part of a larger enterprise. Now, also on that note of, of launching different AI uh, technology, is that something that Wells traditionally builds in-house, looks to partners for? Can you kind of explain what that looks like? Well, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think we are very deliberate in our investment discussions to understand, you know, what's our need for speed to market? And it is, some, is it something that we can build quickly on our own or are we better off partnering? Is this something that's going to be part of um, our secret sauce, our critical value proposition? Or is there a partner that can help enable because the technology already exists or the solution already exists within the industry? And so for us, it is looking at both. And I think um, over time, particularly in this space, um, you'll see a lot of collaboration. So Tanya gave us the, the use case of potential chatbot within um, the auto business at Wells. Justin, maybe you can give us a, a use case as well, or maybe an example of a benefit that you've seen clients use within leveraging AI and data. Yeah, sure. I uh, definitely, in terms of just freeing up staff, Tanya, as you mentioned, we see financial institutions being able to, to free up about 80% of the staff that they previously had in this function uh, as it relates to manually having to verify information on these loan jackets. So that's a, that's a huge benefit, being able to, to allocate that staff to higher order functions within the financial institution to deliver a better member experience or customer experience is a huge value add. The second function that we see is uh, around improvements in conversion rate or capture rate as it's known in, in the auto lending industry. Uh, what's so incredible about AI is the ability to do things in real time, whereas before leveraging a team of people, it's just difficult to, to get to real time decision making. And we talked a little bit about opaqueness. And uh, opaqueness is something that oftentimes comes up when talking to, say, a mortgage broker or a car dealer, an F&I manager working at a car dealership. They don't know how a financial institution, how Capital One is going to calculate income for a particular applicant. They're, they're in the dark. And, and as a result of being able to provide AI solutions that render real-time decision-making, we've seen lenders improve their capture rate and, and ultimately capture more loans. Great, thank you. Now, when, when discussing a topic like AI, it's kind of hard to ignore the regulation component of it. Um, Justin, maybe you could talk us through that as uh, increased scrutiny by regulators have, have affected the way that banks use AI, how have you seen lenders adapt to the regulation? Uh, what are you seeing in that, in that way? Yeah, I actually think regulators have been pretty clear on their stance on, on artificial intelligence. Uh, there was a recent opinion piece put out by the FTC commissioner talking about the need to regulate AI. And, and I absolutely think that 
financial institutions that want to leverage AI, it doesn't preclude them from, from regulation. There's a lot of uh, controls that need to be put in place uh, around the, the use of AI, governing the AI's precision, model drift, stability of the underlying models. And so Inform has found itself not only having to go undergo uh, strict information security reviews in the form of SOC 2 type 2 analyses, but then also this uh, sophisticated model risk management programs that a variety of different OCC regulated financial institutions have to have to comply with. So we're very accustomed to that. I think it really it really stresses the fact that when picking an AI vendor, uh, looking to a vendor who, who has subject matter expertise, who understands how to deploy AI in your particular industry and, and already has a, a large ground truth annotated data set that they, can, they, that they can use for quality control purposes to assess the precision, the, the stability, the drift of the underlying models is really important. Now, a little bit bigger picture, Tanya, from, from Wells' approach and, and how you're looking at AI, can you talk through your strategy of managing risks associated with, with the technology? Yeah, so as much as we talk about the benefits, we have to equally talk about the risk. And as we are making our investment decisions, um, these are not things that we move on quickly. And uh, we have to, from a, we have to move slow. We have to make sure we actually understand um, the risks that are associated with deploying the technology. We have our own um, internal governance processes that all of these decisions go through to ensure that we're doing the right thing for our customers. And so when I think about risk management, every investment decision um, also includes the risk review and really understanding not just the technology, but the implications and the outcomes that could result from the use of the technology. And, and we take that through a pretty rigorous governance process as we make all of these decisions. Now we, we have just a minute here, so that, that time flew by, but I'd like to leave on, on a question for you both, so I'll, I'll have you each tackle this one, but just your perspective of the future of AI. Uh, what are either some opportunities for AI and auto finance um, that, that you're seeing, or what would you like to see uh, in, in the world of AI and auto finance? Big question. I know, it's like what's in the crystal ball and yeah. what do we want to see in the future? Um, I think that there's huge opportunity. It's, you know, for my business, it's, it's still early days. Um, we are still understanding the technology. We're still looking at some of the um, more specific use cases that have been tried and tested already and starting to deploy those um, as we move, move towards our investments. Over the long run, I see that a lot of opportunity for things like improving the overall car shopping or car buying experience for customers, particularly within the auto space. Um, consumers have gotten more comfortable with shopping for vehicles online, and so that should uh, continue to evolve towards getting their financing online. And having a virtual assistant that knows, you know, your um, demographic, you know, knows some of your lifestyle choices and can recommend not only a vehicle, but also the type of financing that works best for your financial picture, I think is something that I look forward to. Great. Justin? Yeah, and I'll just say the AI space is, is evolving very rapidly, and I think ChatGPT has brought a lot of visibility to a, a sizable existing space that's been innovating for, for years. So 
I think it's important for, for folks to recognize that ChatGPT is not the be-all, end-all AI. It's not the only AI uh, solution that exists out there. There's a lot of other underlying foundational models that exist and, and other types of models that, that one can be leveraging. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about specifically the, the notion of open sourcing more of these data, data sets that are used for actual quality control on the underlying AI models to, to help with some of the, the, the governance as we discussed earlier. Well, speaking of looking ahead, there is one audience question that we can, we can dive into really quickly if, if we do like a speed round. But the question is, do you see smaller underwriting departments once AI is in full production? How will staff be redeployed? Yeah, I think with any automation, um, whether it's machine learning um, or AI or other um, technology that's used to automate our processes and as we're simplifying, it does imply that there's um, some impact to the staffing that we have within our underwriting departments. Um, but what I tend to look at is it provides scalability for our business. And so once we have those tools and technologies deployed, we can scale up and down without with having fewer impacts over time to staffing because we're able to do that with technology. Um, from a staffing perspective and a human perspective, we do have to think proactively about how we're reskilling and redeploying um, our teams that are in these areas. And I think all of, um, you know, any company that you talk to is really thinking long and hard about internal programs around training. How do you make sure that we're really thinking through the human capital piece of this? Okay, well great, sorry we went a little over, but thank you again and join me in thanking our panelists.